The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Good evening. You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome, dear listeners, to Season 10, Episode 19. I'm your host, Otis Jiry, and in this episode, I'll be performing three tales to terrify you, courtesy of author Caleb Stevens, Michael Keener, and Brian Asbury, about sinister strandings, lethal laundry, and freakish furniture. Listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which contains the first spine tingling story. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. Now, it's time to take a walk together down the moonlit trail. So, lock your doors, turn your lights down, and settle in. The show's about to begin. (laughs) 
It's one thing when a vacation turns out long. It's quite another when one's attempts to survive seem to be fruitless. Of course, it's much harder when it seems like something doesn't want anyone to leave. In our first tale of the evening, Caleb Stevens presents a place not only at the edge of the world, but on the edge of somewhere else. Without further ado, I present to you the Atoll. Day One Desolation. My arm is a river of blisters, and so I cup a hand to my forehead and squint against the brilliant evening surf. It's hard to make out through the heat waves dancing off the ocean, but it's there in the distance, a fringe of green capping a pale, wave-battered coast. Palm trees and white sand, the thing I never thought I'd lay my eyes on again. An island. I knew it, I whisper. Oh, my God, Alicia says next to me, her face a mass of peeling skin. Eric, you're right. Little good it does us here, Patrick mutters, heaving the ruined life raft the last few yards before slapping it down on a pair of sun-bleached rocks. Goddamn coral came out of nowhere. He tugs his aviator's lower, bloodshot eyes cupped Two pasty white circles of flesh. It's got to be a couple of miles to that island, maybe more. Just hope we can get that raft fixed. What is this, anyway? A sandbar or something? Alicia asks, surveying the thin strip of land we're beached on. An islet piled in rocks and sand, and not much else, save a scatter of grass bunched along with the tide in glistening pockets. No. An atoll. Patrick points over his shoulder toward the low stone ridgeline disappearing beneath the waves in spots and rising above it in others, looking like the spine of some enormous creature slithering through the surf. See how it circles the island? There, there, and there? You're looking at an ancient volcano. And we're stuck on the rim. We take shelter next to a low shelf of rock and watch the sun die a slow death in the horizon. An angry red eye drowned in a blaze of orange and yellow. Beneath it, the ocean's flat. It's a rippling, endless mirror, all of it one terrible display of beauty, waiting to devour us like it did Hannah. Still, I can't help but think how much she would have loved this view, even now, here at the end. God, it's, it's so beautiful, Eric, isn't it? The thought stirs an ache in my chest. A deep, throbbing loss like my heart has been carved out with a dull spoon. One of nature's cruelest jokes, Patrick says, ripping me from the thought. I glance up. What's that? All this water and not a drop to drink. Well, at least we don't have to sleep on that awful raft again, Alicia says. That awful raft. I grit my teeth at the comment, at its vanity, here, now, in all this emptiness, as if the ocean cares about her in the least, or any of us, for that matter. 
I glare at her, a jab out of my mouth before I can stop it. You mean the thing that kept us alive for the last two weeks? Her eyes harden and she holds my gaze. She wants to tell me it's my fault. What happened to Hannah? She's wanted to since the boat went down. I can feel it every time she looks at me. Hear it in her below-the-breath retorts. You would say that, wouldn't you? She thinks I'm the one who killed Hannah, not the sea. That I'm the one who fed her, her best friend, to the waves. Patrick groans. Don't start, you two. Jesus. The last thing we need right now is more fighting. Here. He digs in the raft and tosses me a water bottle. Hands one to Alicia. Go easy with it. Only a few left. I catch the bottle and take a drink, the water spilling down my throat like a miracle. Another drink of my thirst rises like gas on a fire and rages at me to down the entire bottle in one gulp. It's all I can do to cap it and save some for later. The two cases of water we wrestled into the raft before the yacht capsized have dwindled to nine bottles. Six after tonight's provision. A bottle a day per person, no more. It's like I'm watching the countdown to my death in bottled water. Two days left. Patrick reclines against the rock. We should get some sleep while we can. Is it even safe to sleep here, Alicia asks, eyeing the rising tide. He waves at a pair of boulders near the break. See that? We're above the salt line. The tide won't crest it. At least not tonight, anyway. Sea's calm. Alicia relaxes and nuzzles in next to him, looking sun-scorched, her hair matted to her face in greasy strands. Even her eyes are burned, the sclera, cloudy salmon pink. Patrick isn't much better off. His ribs are practically slicing through his shirt, his face hollow and gaunt. Still, I can't help but feel a sudden shot of jealousy. At least they have each other. All I have is the fading memory of Hannah flapping her arms beneath a white foam mountain, her mouth stretched wide in a silent scream. I scream back, screaming until my throat tore. I settle to the sand and stare up at the stars popping out in glittering bunches. Something off about the memory, a piece missing. Hannah's hand and mine, me pulling fighting to wrench her back into the raft. The terror flooded her eyes, her face, something rippling behind her in the water. God, why can't I remember? I buried the thought, and my mind drifted to Hannah when she was younger, her lips sticky, but something sweet from the movies as she pointed up at the night sky from the hood of my busted Chevy Camaro. Have you ever seen something so beautiful? I would mutter a no, though I was never looking up, only at her thinking, I don't care as long as I have you. A riptide, dark and black, pulls me under. Frigid water thrusts into my mouth, my lungs, something in the deep singing to me, calling me lower. I lurch awake with the breath of a drowned man, a sharp inhalation followed by two more. A gibbous boon drenches the atoll in a pure white light, 
that looks like it was mined from the bone. Beneath it, the ocean shines like black glass, cut with ribbons of moonlight and something else. A deep, throbbing glow floating through the waves. What the hell? I stand for a better look, convinced I'm delirious, that hunger and dehydration have finally taken their toll, but it's there all right. A soft, blue luminescence expanding and contracting through the water like a submerged heartbeat. Something about the motion sends flickers of static shooting through my vision, and before I know what I'm doing, I'm stumbling toward it, my feet bashing off half-buried rocks and cracking through dead spokes of coral. A voice hisses from the back of my skull to slow down, that I'm moving too fast, that I'll fall, surely I'll fall, but it doesn't matter. Nothing does. Only reaching the shimmering pool of light in the water. The pulse familiar somehow, calling me closer. The smell of salt fills my nose, spreads through the water in rich skeins of color, and runs over the ocean floor like a hat of butter rolling around on a skillet. All the while, it thrums with a beat that mirrors the one thumping in my chest. A black rope of foam laps at my feet, the sea hissing over the sand and drawing back again in perpetual rhythm as I lurch for the glimmer of light. Ba-bum. Bum-bum. The colors bleed around my feet. They're electric, unlike anything I've ever seen. Breathtaking blues and greens shimmer above the seafloor like a cloud of gems. They swirl faster, brighter, a shape forming, a hand blooming from the haze, followed by a set of frost-colored fingers. Hair. Eric! Patrick's voice snaps me from the trance. I turn, waves rolling over my thighs, my waist. What are you doing out there? I try to answer, but my tongue won't peel from the roof of my mouth. Sparks of light crash through my vision, I glance behind me for the glow, that strange, throbbing pulse. But it's gone. Or was it really there? The thought ignites a sudden sense of loss. A deep need to see it again. To feel it. I blink hard and grow vaguely aware of Patrick working to his feet. Hey, you okay, man? I wave him off and slosh back to the shore. The sea frothing behind me as I step onto the sand. I'm fine. Sorry to wake you. He tilts his head. You sure? You all look fine. Yeah, I just needed to clear my head a bit. Couldn't sleep. Don't waste any more energy, he says, lying down again. We need to get the raft fixed in the morning. Yes, yes, sure. I mutter following suit. A headache clamps over the back of my neck as soon as my head hits the sand. Tendrils of pain creep behind my eyes, the storm gathering, and I'm left wondering if the glow was real or just some waking dream. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well, inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. 
Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Day 2. Delirium. Steam bakes off the rocks and waves. I kneel next to Patrick with the patch material, the sun pinned to the sky above us in a white-hot ball of heat. Beads of sweat roll down my back as Patrick spreads a thin adhesive layer over the nylon and glances at me. So, what was that last night? What? The midnight dip. Oh, play dumb. Like I said, couldn't sleep. He gestures at me for the patch and I hand it to him. Hannah again? Yeah. Hmm. Me too. He smooths the patch over the six-inch gash and steps back with his arms akimbo. The pits of his shirt stained a dirty yellow. There, that should do it. So now what? I ask. Let it dry, then we test it. I rock back on my heels and stare across the lagoon at the island through a wet layer of haze. It reminds me of a painting. All earth tones with green oil, brush strokes, smudged together in the shape of trees. They look dense and inviting. Lush. There's sure to be food there and shade. God, what I'd give for some shade right about now. There's none on this sun-blasted strip of rock, save a small stretch of it, burning beneath the stone shelf where Alicia and Patrick slept last night. Where Alicia's still dozing, with an elbow cocked across her eyes, and one leg slung across the sand, looking lobster red. Patrick notices me looking at her and settles into a low crouch. Uh, maybe take it a little easier on her, huh? I wipe a pair of sweat prints on my shorts. She thinks it's my fault. What? Hannah. No, she doesn't. It's just... You know how close they were. For some time, she'll come around. A bolt of anger cuts through me. He says it's like she's the only one who's carrying the weight of her loss. Like she's the only one who's lost something. Christ, Patrick. She was my wife. You think I'm hurting here, too? Claps a hand on my shoulder, his eyes creasing. She was my sister. Look, I know you're hurting. We all are. All I'm trying to say is... What? I should have held on longer? Pulled harder? The words threatened to unleash the sudden dam of tears, welling behind my eyes. I can't afford to shed tears little moisture is left in my body. I force my gaze to my hands and tell myself to hold it together, to breathe. I did everything I could. Eric. I let my name hang there, heavy and awkward, my throat too tight to speak. Patrick leans back and wraps his arms around his knees, 
both of us sinking into the sudden silence. After a moment, he shakes his head. You know, that's not what I mean, man. If I lost Alicia, he sighs. All I'm trying to say is we need to stick together if we're going to survive this. Forget it. Play nice. Okay, I'm try. He squeezes my shoulder and stands. Hang in there. It's all I can do to nod. We test the raft around noon. Patrick uses the foot pump to inflate the torn ballast tubes and then loops a length of rope around the hand line and hands it to me. Here, in case I hit a current. I'll just do a quick test run and then we'll head for the island. Sound good? I take it, and Alicia shoves the raft into the break. Try to avoid the coral this time. He flashes her a half-grin. <laughs> Very funny. I unspool the rope as Patrick rows, making sure there's plenty of slack, as he floats further into the lagoon. Alicia taps her foot next to mine, her eyes wide and unblinking, as she watches the raft glide over the waves. She knows it as well as I do. If this doesn't work, if the raft fails again, we're screwed. You'll be fine, I say, an attempt at reconciliation. She offers me a weak smile. I know, he always is. He's one hell of a seaman, that's for sure. The best. And it's true, without Patrick, we would have not made it off the yacht much less survived 15 days in the open ocean, with the sharks nipping at the raft like a floating appetizer. Same as Alicia and me. We would have killed each other two days in without him there to calm us down. She wraps her arms around her torso, rubbing them as if she's standing in the middle of a snowstorm. She's scared like the rest of us. And Patrick is right. We need to stick together if we're going to make it through this. I let out the rest of the rope, suddenly sorry for attacking her last night. Listen, Alicia, I start. About last night. I'm sorry, it's just been hard with... She raises a hand, her mouth in a knot. What is it, I ask. Something's wrong, look. I follow her gaze to Patrick, waving at us, gesturing wildly with his arms. What's he doing? I think he wants us to pull him in. Patrick cups his hand to his mouth in his shout. I should be able to hear him. The only sound I can make out is the wind in my ears and the slow, low, easy slosh of the ocean. Eric! Alicia prods. Please, let's bring him in. Right, okay, let's do it. She settles in behind me and we heave on the rope. It snaps taut, the raft floating in place like it's made of concrete. What the hell? I mutter. Pull harder, Alicia says, her voice rising a notch. I nod and we heave again to the same effect, the rope snapping into place like a steel cable, the raft inexorable, sitting there as though Patrick somehow anchored it to the seafloor. He spreads his arms like Alicia, and I have no clue what we're doing before shouting again. What's that? I call back. Why won't it move, Alicia says, jerking again. I don't know. Here, I brace my legs and my feet, loop the rope through my hands for a better grip, 
and give it another shot. On three, one, two. Before I can count it off, the rope rips forward out of my hands, and I smack off the water. A mouthful of brine punches the back of my throat, and I come up to Alicia, squealing and staring at a nasty pair of fiction burns on her palms. Buttons of blood bubble up through the cuts. Her eyes find mine and rim with tears. Damn it, I say, moving for her. Here, let me have a look. What the hell are you two doing? Patrick's voice spins me around, and I nearly topple at the side of the raft, floating a few feet back. Patrick glaring down, swaying like an angry drunk. You pulled so hard you tore the patch. Tore the patch? I open my mouth to respond, but no words spill out. It's impossible. There's no way we could have pulled that hard. Patrick shouldn't be here. Not this close, this fast. Why didn't you let go of the rope, he asks. My jaw clicks into place. You waved at us to pull you in. His eyes narrowed. No, I didn't. I was screaming for you to let go. You two started yanking me back before I even made it ten feet. That last tug nearly tossed me in the water. Patrick, there wasn't any rope left. We let it all out. The deep crease forms over the bridge of his nose. Somewhere behind me, Alicia moans and the crease melts. Oh, God. He leaps from the raft, splashes me, and takes her hand in his. What happened? We were trying to bring you in and the rope just ripped us forward. She looks up at him. Patrick, Eric's right. We let it all out. We weren't pulling you back. You were out past the reef, and you pulled us. We take the sun canopy from the raft and stretch it from the stone shelf to the sand, then anchor it with a pair of weed-strewn rocks. Storm clouds billow dark and formless on the horizon, cracks of lightning sparking in great white columns toward the sea. A gust of wind whips sand into my face, scatters tracks of it along my arms and legs, like those blistered across my skin by the sun. The temperature has dropped ten degrees, and I'm close to shivering, but not from the weather, from what I saw. Patrick paddling out past the break, the raft drifting out into the lagoon. Beyond him island as it loomed in a blurry smear. That first wild wave of his arms. Alicia and I pulled heavy on the rope. The mad yanked back, my face slapping off the water. Alicia's cry. The raft somehow behind me, right behind me. Patrick fuming. I'm losing my mind. But I'm not because Alicia saw it too. I grind the pads with my thumb and forefinger over my eyes. What the hell are we going to do? Patrick stares dimly from his sun-leathered face. His usual easy confidence gone. He doesn't answer, and when I repeat the question, he runs a hand over his chin and looks at me like he's waking from a deep slumber. I don't know. I need to think on it some. For now, we stay put, conserve energy, and get some sleep. 
He hasn't said much since we pulled him in. Something off in his clipped answers like maybe he still thinks we, I, sabotaged him. That I wanted to keep us here, starving on this empty, sun-blasted patch of rock. I lie back and close my eyes as the rain begins to fall in a soft, steady patter, the sound hypnotic against the canopy, the air cool and comfortable on my ruined skin, a salve. Sleep takes me before I know I'm gone. I dream of Hannah, of her face, its shape oval, her chin smooth beneath a pale set of lips. Her eyes are luminous as they sink beneath the waves and fade to two pale blue coins staring up at me from the depths. And then those are gone, too. My eyelids snap open. It's blackout, and for a moment, I think I'm back in Connecticut, in the safety of my room with Hannah, nuzzled warmly beneath my chin. A cold drizzle brings me back, and I sit up in a rush, eyes wide and staring through the pitch. The ocean froths along the islet, stirred by the storm. I can't see much of it, but enough to make out the faint glimmer of frozen light rising and falling within the waves. There's something different about it tonight, though. A section obscured in the shape of a man. A shape I recognize. A broad set of shoulders and a pair of stiff arms. A head angled down toward the water, staring. Patrick. I pat the sand next to me, feeling the empty cup of earth where he should be. Next to it, Alicia snores softly, with her ruined hands cupped to her chest. I glance at the rain again toward Patrick, who hasn't moved, who hasn't looked up once, his shoulders heaving with each breath, his head bowed. I stand to shout, but something about his stance and the way he's gazing into the water, fists bald, is off. I ease back onto the sand instead and lie there, nervous, pretending to sleep until I hear him near the tarp. He crouches just beyond my feet, heavy presence I can feel, and his head cocked to the side like maybe he's thinking about doing something. I have no clue what it is, but his posture, the way he's coiled there like a snake ready to strike, tells me it isn't good. After a time, he slides in next to Alicia, and I watch him until his breathing evens out and close my eyes and hope for sleep to take me. It's a futile pursuit. I lie there awake and unsettled until the sun crests the horizon and stains the clouds a deep blood orange. Day three. Isla de la Muerte. I doze off sometime after dawn. My eyes are grainy and dried out when I wake, my throat burning with thirst. I clawed a water bottle, one of three left, down the entire thing, before working my way out from under the canopy. It's a gray day, the ocean unsettled and choppy, churning up white caps along the tips of waist-high waves. Beyond them, the island hangs shrouded in mist, looking like the shell of some massive ancient tortoise. A sudden stench fills my nose and pulls my gaze to the water where the tide is churning along the bank in dirty foam pockets. 
bobbing off the brake and rolling back again. Hundreds of bodies like glittering across the sand. I narrow my eyes and struggle to believe what I see. Fish. Rows and rows of dead or dying fish. They flop along the shore with puckered mouths, their movement all wrong. Oily gray-pink patches trying to escape the water, flailing higher up the beach. Further down, near a black jetty of rock, I spot Patrick and Alicia talking in low, hushed tones. Patrick jabs a finger in Alicia's face and points over the water, his teeth cutting a white line as he speaks. Alicia reaches for him, and he slaps her bandaged hand away and glanced over her shoulder at me. The weight of his gaze renders me motionless, his eyes glowing like two burning coals. He shoves past Alicia and marches my way, his finger out and pointing, mouthing a word clear even from the distance. You! Alicia chases after him and grabs at his shoulder. He shakes her hard, and he falls, then regains her feet, yelling at him to stop. Still, he comes, his attention squared on me, muscling forward in long, stern strides. I take a step back, confused, something in his face telling me I should run. I raise a hand instead, and curl my lips into what I hope is a disarming smile. Patrick, you, you okay? What's the... He hits me, and my knees buckle, a wicked uppercut that snaps my head back and sends me toppling. I don't see the blow coming, only barely registering the light explosion behind my eyes as his fist connects with my temple. I look up through a shower of stars in time to see his fist arcing forward once more. Then I see nothing at all. Moving. I'm moving. Sliding. No, that's wrong. Someone is dragging me. My body grinding over a bed of rocks. Sharp things chip at my feet and slice my ankles. There's a firm pressure, hands under my armpits, and I'm slumped against something hard. A looping tension slides around my chest as I struggle to open my eyes and fail. I try again, everything in a blur. Voices cut through the haze. A woman and a man's. A woman pleading with the man telling him, no, please, no, God, no! A hard thud, flesh on flesh. Another, a choking cry. I have to wake up. I need to. Reality comes back in snatches. A roiling black sea. The smell of salt and rotting fish. Pressure around my waist, my wrists. I can't move, can't reach up to extinguish the itch burning over my scalp or the one cutting down my leg. A low moan parts my lips. You had to answer them. Why did you have to answer them? The voice worms its way into my brain from some faraway place. I crane my head toward the sound, one swollen eye shut, and find Patrick perched nearby on a piece of driftwood, staring at me with all the compassion of a trout. I'm tied to a long strand of rock, Coils of rope strung around my chest and my hands. My legs are splayed toward the water, which is a good five feet below my feet, though I know it won't stay that way forever. 
Certainly not through high tide. A splash of fear washes over me, and my tongue sparks to life. Patrick, what, what, what the, the hell, man? He doesn't answer, only stares back with his beard hanging in wild strings. His eyes have lost their anger, replaced with something decidedly colder. A decision made. I test the weight of the rope and try to free my hands. It's impossible. He's bound them in surgeon knots. Untie me, he blinks. You've damned us, Eric. What? The night the boat went down, you heard them cry out, didn't you? For Hannah. I didn't hear anything. Jesus, Patrick, what the hell are you talking about? They told me you'd lie. They, I say? You mean Alicia? He shakes his head. You heard them cry out. Open your ears. and Fed them my sister. My jaw throbs and I work it open and shut and clicks. I need to figure out what he wants and why he's done this. Blue slice of fabric further down the beach kills the thought. I race her back to tank top. Beneath it, a familiar pair of legs lie crumpled to the side. I look back at him with a hard swallow. Patrick, where's Alicia? Cracks a knuckle and says nothing. I repeat the question. Resting, he cracks another knuckle. And another. Oh, God, Patrick. What have you done? He shoots to his feet, lines carving through his forehead, his mouth, and his snarl. What have I done? Me? No, Eric. No. Ask yourself. What have you done? What exactly have you done? His lips are flecked with spit, his fists clenched and trembling. And I know he'll kill me this time if I answer wrong. Tread carefully. Honestly, I have no clue what you're. Hannah! I'm talking about Hannah, goddammit. They sang for her and you answered. The missing memory clicks into place like a thunderbolt. The ocean was crashing and booming against the yacht. Hannah's mouth open, screaming at me to pull her into the raft. Herrick, don't let me go! Please don't let go! Her hand and mine slipping her eyes turning slick with fear. Then the light rising behind her, that faint blue-green glow rippling through the waves. A voice in my head. No voices. A legion of them urging me to let her go, to feed her to the waves. And I let her go. I buckled against the rock, suddenly limp. Oh, my God. Patrick's eyebrows arch. Ah, now you remember. I feel myself nod, the weight of what I've done pinning me to the stone. I killed my wife. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now... All you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I sit reeling for hours, unable to speak, to move. I killed my wife. I let her go. The sun bathes me in its radiation and burns over my skin, as if focused on a giant magnifying glass. Strings of sweat turn to steam and rise off my shoulders to mingle with the stench of spoiled fish. It's grown unbearable, a sour odor trapped at the back of my throat. None of it matters. I killed Hannah. On the log, Patrick sits next to me, staring dead-eyed at the island, unmoving and silent because he's killed his. Near evening, I became aware of the water creeping closer to my feet. The color no longer green, now a pale gray. The consistency murky and dense. Fish washed from the current and over the beach. One, a swordfish with its brilliant scales, blackened by something moss-like, its gills whooshing in and out in useless gasps. I stare at it and wonder if that's how Hannah felt when she took in that last cold lungful of water, frightened and alone, betrayed. My eyes burn at the thought, and I'd cry if I had any tears left, but I don't, so I just sit there cold and shivering and wait for the tide to take me. Not long now, Patrick says. First time he's spoken in hours. The sun cutting a pink sliver over his shoulder. They'll come for us soon. Who? The dead. Patrick, don't do this. Untie me. It won't help. We belong to them now. What does it matter then? Come on, man. This isn't you. Did you give Hannah a choice? Did you give Alicia one? His eyes turn to dark slits, and he glares at me. Don't. Why? Who made you judge and jury? Untie me. His jaw hardens, and he stands and points at the island. You did, Eric. You did. 
the second you gave them Hannah. They won't let us leave now. What I did for Allie, I did out of love. His mouth bunches and he wipes his eyes. They can't have her now. They won't have her. You made sure of that, didn't you? You didn't give her a choice. You're a murderer, Patrick. A wife killer just like me. Now untie me, you bastard. I spit the words at him like a mouthful of acid. He whirls on me, tenons ripping across his neck, his fist up and cocked. You son of a... The rock comes down hard across the back of his skull. His eyes widen. A string of drool leaks off his lips. He blinks hard, then crumples to the side, his head cracking off a buried spur of stone. Alicia stands perched behind him, with tears streaking her face, her skin the color of chalk. Alicia! I say, straining to reach her, bucking against the rope. Alicia, thank God. You have to untie me before. She lurches sideways with a groan. Her forehead is a crust of dried blood, fresh streams of it spilling from beneath her hairline and over her brow. Her pupils are dilated, shivering in place as her lips part to say something. All that comes out is a low, keening gurgle before she collapses to the sand. The water reaches my ankles first and slides cold toward my knees. Across the slate-colored water, the island looms dark and thick, the trees circling it in a dense green skirt. Alessia lies motionless beside Patrick, both staring up at me with dead eyes. A sudden sob works its way up my throat, All I want is to rewind time, back to the day Hannah came bounding into the kitchen with that daybreak smile splashed over her face. Guess what? We're going sailing. And tell her that no, we're not. No way in hell. We're staying put in this house where it's safe, because I know what happens if we do. Grief engulfs me, and I sit there spinning in its depths, as the water creeps even higher at my waist now, a memory ripping through my mind. The day I met Hannah at that stupid coffee shop downtown, her hair shining like sunlight as she bumped into me. Oh, I'm sorry. I scooped up her coffee and offered to buy her another one, knowing there was something special about this girl even there. The thought sets me to bucking against the ropes, straining and ripping, desperate to wriggle from the knots. It's useless. I've been slick with my blood as they are now. Patrick tied them too well, too precise. One hell of a seaman, I thought, dully. When the moon breaks over the horizon, close to freezing, so cold, I can barely breathe. Strands of seaweed lick at my calves. Slick things dart around my thighs and into my shorts before squirming out again. Flies ravage my neck and bite my eyelids as the water rises. It curls beneath Patrick first, then Alicia. They float face down with their arms outstretched, their fingertips brushing. I watch them with dread, clogging my throat, because I know I'll soon join them. I want to die like this. Not like this. Alone and roped to a rock in the middle of the ocean, 
soon to drown beneath it, like Hannah. Something ripples across the lagoon. A deep, unearthly blue-green throb bleeds through the water like a cloud of smoke. Terror spills down my spine, thinking of the hand in those frost-colored fingers. That dark cloud of hair. I screw my eyes shut and pray for whatever God is listening to save me. It's a messy, frantic prayer. The words frothing over my lips like water through a broken dam. Please, God, save me if you're up there, or kill me quick. As if in answer, a loud crack splits the air. An earth-rendering sheer, unlike anything I've ever heard. My eyes rip open to the whoosh and rumble of the water pulling back, thinning. A mountain of sea spray pounds my face and my arms. There's a vast sucking sensation. A distortion of space as if I'm being wrenched forward over some great distance. And then I'm looking at the impossible. The island. The island lies right in front of me, separated by ten yards of water. A belt of gleaming black sand. Palm trees scraping off one another. The leaves whooshing in time with the wind. Creepers knotted and thick wrap around their trunks and climb toward branches draped in long beards of moss. And deeper, hidden somewhere in the pitch, are pockets of emerald light shining out, growing brighter, pulsing. Ethereal shapes glide from the bracken and onto the sand, their movements stuttered and halting. It takes a moment for my brain to piece together what I'm looking at exactly. A sight that doesn't make sense. Corpses. Dozens and dozens of corpses. They slide from the trees in groups of twos and threes. Then more. Their numbers growing until I can make out a glowing wall of shredded skin. Their mouths are slung open. Black caves uttering words I can't understand. The words grow louder and scrape across my eardrums. Fizz hot in my blood. They're singing, I realize, as a harsh, biting melody carries over the wind and digs into my ears. They reach the tide and sway there with distended jaws and eyes so black. I wonder if they're sockets. They sing louder, and a sudden rage swirls through my chest. A primal need to consume something, anything. I watch... Transfixed as one of the things sets upon Patrick's corpse with teeth like diamonds. The resulting crunch sends a fountain of bile racing up my throat. The others join in, swarming Alicia and Patrick like ants over a carcass, ripping, tearing. Her howls rise and pitch into a terrible cacophony that reverberates through my head as waves of brine wash into my mouth. I spit it out with a cough, and one of the things lifts its head in response. If I could call her that, it's a woman with strands of hair sprouting from a cracked skull. She stands and lumbers toward the water, followed by a pair of children, a boy in a tattered pair of doublets, and a girl wearing a moth-eaten gown. The woman stops at the water and cocks her head in my direction, the children sniffing at the air behind her, like a pair of dogs, their faces pocked with holes through which I can see 
cords of rot and muscle and decayed tenon. No, I hear myself whisper. No, no, no. The woman spots me and bounds forward with a hiss. The children follow, all of them surging through the water in awkward heaving leaps, their mouths packed with those awful diamond teeth. They're no more than a foot away when a high wailing lament brings them to a halt. A figure emerges from the trees, a woman with a black cloak of hair obscuring her face. She screams again, and the things turn and scatter back to the beach. She passes them and smoothly slips into the waves, unlike the others. Something closer to human in the movement. As she nears, I make out a set of slender shoulders, ivory skin glittering with phosphorescent flecks of blue and green. My heart crashes like a caged bird as her hands rise to part the dark wall of hair dripping over her face. I stifle a cry. Hannah? Hello, my love. Her voice is like the wind. Something cracks within me. A feeling beyond grief, a heavy yearning to slip my binds, pull her into my arms, and never let go. Never, so long as I live. But something holds me in place. The woman I loved was blonde with green eyes. This thing in front of me, this version of Hannah, is staring back at me through ice-colored eyes set deep within a face of pearl. How? I whisper. Her lips curl into a soft, pale smile. They needed me. They needed all of us. She gestures at the remains of Patrick and Alicia scattered over the beach. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm so sorry. I, I... My voice cracks. God, how I've missed you. She leans in and cups my chin. Her hands are the dice, her fingers cold and lifeless. And I, you. Salt washes into my mouth. I, I don't understand. What is this? Where are we? She places a finger on my lips. We're home. They, she says, with a wave toward the things watching us from the sand, are our family now. The water ebbs higher over my mouth, and I fight to pull in air through my nose. Hannah stays level with me, running a frigid hand through my hair. Breathe, she says. All you have to do is breathe. I shake my head, panic leeching into my bloodstream as the waves rise and swallow me whole. I jerk against the knots and scream, the rope slicing against my wrists and legs. Bubbles cloud my vision, my brain screaming for oxygen, for air. I grind my eyes shut. Hannah reaches out and cups my face and I open them. She's floating her hair hanging in the water like strands of spider silk. She presses her lips to mine with a smile, holding them there until the last few bubbles of oxygen work from my lungs and up my throat. Breathe, she mouths. 
pulling back again. Breathe. And with a final deep inhalation, I do. I hope you enjoyed The Atoll by Caleb Stevens, as performed by yours truly. If you enjoyed that tale and would love to read more from tonight's very talented feature author, you can help support him by visiting simplyscarypodcast.com slash Caleb-Stevens. That's simplyscarypodcast.com slash C-A-L-E-B dash S. T-E-P-H-E-N-S. His work can be found on No Sleep, but he can also be found on his own website, calebstevensauthor.com, with a large collection of stories and novels for you to view. If you do decide to stop by the profile, please leave Caleb a kind word and let him know you heard about him on this show and that Otis Jiry sent you. It would mean a lot to me. Thanks again for your support of this program and of tonight's featured author. Now, before we go, I'd also like to take a moment to thank you personally for joining me for this episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast and leave us a five-star review and a kind word makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to us. If you'd like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's and all of our other episodes featuring twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at showingtalesfordarknights.com where you can purchase season passes for this podcast and our other quality storytelling programs or become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, all of it ad-free. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You can subscribe to me as well on YouTube at the Otis Gyrie channel, where you'll find releases of my series, Horror Storytime, dating back to 2014. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Just search for Otis Gyrie. Until next week, stay spooky and get some sleep, if you can. <laughs> thanks for listening you've been listening to scary stories told in the dark a production of chilling entertainment and the creative team at chilling tales for dark nights and a proud member of the simply scary podcasts network visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs Tonight's program was hosted, and its featured stories, performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. 
Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, the Otis Jiry channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.